Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, Season 3, Episode 33. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. Oh, no, I'm not. He's out tonight. I'm Paul Page. Josh has picked up some mysterious travel bug from California, so maybe it's a kissing disease or whatnot. So it's, uh, it's myself leading tonight. I'm ably assisted by producer Alex in New York. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well. Good to see you, Paul. How are you? Doing great. And we have a returning guest, but startlingly, only the first time this season. It is Joe Two from Connecticut. Joe, how's it going? Good. Good to hear from you guys. I feel like it's been a while. Seems like we have half a new team, huh? It's, that's right. New season, new manager, second new team. But thankfully all on the up, which is nice to talk about for a change. Definitely. Off the back of Wolves 2, Brentford nil from Saturday. And Joe, would you say the word was comfortable? It, I, I was very nervous going into this match for sure. Uh, I, I even like when it first started, I, I turned to my wife, Rachel, and I was like, this seems like one that we would normally lose. You know, like we come off the win against Chelsea and like we're coming like we should win this match. But yeah, the boys played great. I think they looked good and I was happy. It was a good match. It was Diogo Costa scoring his first goal for Wolves in what was a really great performance. And I was as I was watching it and and afterwards, definitely in catching the highlights, I thought that was the Diogo Costa at about 70% of what he used to be like for Chelsea. And it just reminded me how oftentimes he was unplayable in, in a Chelsea shirt and he was the epitome of a of a number nine. And we, we definitely saw flashes like that from, from his previous self on Saturday. I thought he was fantastic. There was lots of talk probably afterwards, a uh, lot of fans buzzing, uh, quotes from some of the players. What do you think, Alex, about some of the talk around possibly extending his contract given this current form? I I was kind of excited about it only because I w- it would be really disappointing if this was the only year we got from him and he's finally looking like he's come into form. Like he, you know, he, he came, he, he basically was semi retired or retired. So it makes sense that it took until now to get the player that we thought we were going to get, which is just a, like you said, like a three quarters version of, of who he was. Um, It's clear to me, I don't know what you guys think, but I I just think from, from the windows we get into the club. So social media, uh, which our social media team does a great job. And then the, you know, the occasional player interview that they really love him and he really means something to the clubhouse. And I think, that the young Brazilians that have signed have taken a, a, a big time liking to him. And then um, Mario Lamina, I saw in the uh, Express and, tar- and Star was saying, basically, they need to find a way to keep him. Like, this guy's great. He shed some light into the practical jokes that he plays. Um, and Lamina, you know, this is a guy who's coming in from Nice. He's not, you know, he's not doesn't speak Portuguese as far as I know or anything like that. And he still <laughs> finds uh, Costa to be um, an essential part of this team and that's without him having been playing much until now so um one more year why not right because who knows what big sassy is going to look like next year and fabio silva doesn't seem to want to 
play for Wolves. No. <laughs> and Raul Jimenez doesn't seem like someone that uh, Lopetegui wants to play for Wolves. So um, he's kind of our only striker at the moment. Joe, I would, one more year? I, I would definitely take it. I think he got a year left in him. It looks like his confidence is up now. Like, getting the goals huge. Uh, I think that, like, the, the comp, him, Cunha, and Matthias together seem like they were finally in a rhythm that, like, we haven't really seen this season from anyone, right? Like, this this wasn't something we were getting, this kind of, like, connect. Like, he had, like, a back heel pass that was yeah. dead on. Yeah. This beautiful stuff. Like, I was like, where has this been, this creativity, this fun that they're having? They look like they were having fun. They look like they're having confidence. Easy sell for me. Give them another year. Let's keep them. Yeah. I think for me, the you got to be wary of the, the sentimentality aspect. And, but at the same time, there's also the balance to the squad. And I think if you can factor in what with overseas players and having quotas and, and what have you, if there's space for him, which it obviously seems he'd be fairly comfortable with, with having a role potentially from the bench or start in certain games. I think if, if the stars aligned and you can, you can have him, I think without being detrimental to either stopping anyone else's progression or from stopping probably a marquee number nine coming in, if they do want to make that type of signing, I think it, it point, it points to keeping him. I think if they are, if they go all in on Fabio Silva, I think he'll he'll still need that veteran in 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 that in the clubhouse for for support and tutelage and learning off. And I still think Sass is a gamble, even when he comes back. His injury record isn't doing much, and I still think if if Raul goes, you pr- you probably need someone else potentially to come on in. I'd like to see another potential young, younger striker or someone with a point to prove if Fabio is the guy. But I think if the stars align, but a little like Moutinho, if it all came together and you could have those guys that you can draw on for experience and, and everything that, that they bring to the squad, I think it makes a ton of difference. So you just mentioned him, Joe, Mateus Nunes different player practically yeah. and well it, it isn't it so it's just it's a shame when that run that he went on and beat four players it doesn't get an assist it was as good as <laughs> yeah but where, where where's this come from is it just uh has it just been a matter of time and that he's found his position naturally how, how do you think he's kicked on I think I think it was the confidence. I think it was the goal. You know what I mean? Like once you get the monkey off your back, like then you, you know, and like now he can play a little bit more free. But yeah, it, it seems like he's a completely different player to me. Like in the past couple of weeks, like this, it's great. I'm very happy for him. Like you know, lots of pressure. Obviously, all these guys. So like to see them kind of shed that, and yeah, like maybe maybe it is Diego Costa having a veteran presence helping along, you know, the younger players like that. Maybe, like, I think that kind of stuff is invaluable to the team. So, yeah, he looked great. I was I was a huge fan this week, for sure. That, that run that he just beat everyone. It was like FIFA, right? Like, he just beat everyone. It was like Adama, but with end product. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. Fortunately, I will add, fortunately. <laughs> but 
right place, right time, good substitution by Lopetegui. And it was Wang to put it in for 2-0. What do you think about Wang's little cameo? I like Wang. I like him coming back. I, I Like the injury bug thing, I don't know how it works for him. But like even when we first signed him, what, last year, two years ago, and like that first game that he played, he looked great. And then like what, he just had this hamstring thing for two years off and on, off and on, off and on. So um. I'm happy that he got he got one too. It was right place, right time. But I mean, his foot was there. Like you can't teach. Like you know, he, he had the right move. So yeah, count it. It was a huge goal too. Like I yeah. mean, Brentford didn't wasn't letting up. Like they they had chances the whole second half, right? So like sealing it, they really looked like it deflated them. Like emotionally deflated them. So I think like it was a it was a really it was a bigger goal than it even looked like in that situation for sure. Alex, anyone out of the, the the other starters or subs that really stood out to you during the game? Um, well, I, I think you know Lamina is and and Gomez maybe maybe they didn't stand out quite as much as they did in the previous game. Um, and part of that is that you know that first word that you said, Paul, introducing the podcast, comfort. Um, it does. It didn't feel like as big of an effort as it did against Chelsea, but might that that might just be because they were facing a team with a slightly different midfield than Chelsea and less attacking prowess. So uh, I would give them shout outs though, still because I I think that yeah they continue to bring just a, a dynamism to the midfield that Wolves lacked for a long time, and they they kind of round out a team that that was full of yeah just like some attacking you know, talent that wasn't producing in product, you know, Nevis can defend, you know, he loves to ping a long ball over the top to someone, etc. But he's not the same player that Lamina and Gomez are. And that, um, yeah, so I, I would just shout them both out uh, as well. You know who quietly had a really nice game when I was rewatching the highlights before, like we were recording? Sarabia had like a pretty quietly nice yeah. match for no, yeah. like, you know, like it was like not somebody that like, as I was watching it, like I was like, okay, whatever. But then you go back, you re like watch through the highlights and stuff. You're like, this kid is, he's definitely playing well. So I was impressed by him. I think he's a silent uh, star of the match for me. At least. Yeah. He often seems to be in and around it without doing a, a stellar piece of work. Yet it's one of those players that can stitch things together. And it may come from two or three passes before a move really starts, but you find that he's he's in and around it, which I think is good. I think he's going slightly under the radar, and he, we may see him break out a little more as the, the the season comes to comes to an end. I think what stood out for me as as a unit was not necessarily comfort, but confidence in the defence. That to a man, they all look really solid and. You're often worried with the the, the lineup that Brentford are going to put out and th- like a three three man front line with Tony and then two quicker guys out further. They was talking about that before kickoff, and it, it's always a worry uh, against the Wolves team. But I think to a man, without really highlighting any of them in particular, I think defensively we we look great and. I think that's one thing for me that stood out these past few weeks is even though we haven't been great, we haven't been destroyed by anyone. And I'm just thinking yeah. back to today and Leeds like conceding six at home and yep. some of the crazy results we've seen. 
even though we haven't been great, we've, we've had that solidity, which I think is, is fantastic. And it's a pretty important bedrock to, to build on if you are going to turn a, a relegation threatened team around to, to pull yourself out of it. So I think a lot of credit goes to the players who are starting and the, the coaching staff and manager that put it together. Do you think we're out of it? Personally, I do, you know. I do too. It feels um, like it, right? If yeah, it feels like we need one more, and yeah. out of the remaining games, you, you can easily see that one. Or I, I could see, I could see a few more actually. But yeah, right. I, think I was looking the, at the upcoming schedule coming up too, and I was like, I, I could see one or two here. Yeah, but it, it's even to the case that we we can rely on on the stats and what he's done to turn around the team, and he's he's averaging. 1.5 points a game since taking us over, which is phenomenal, Nuts. you know, since yeah. since that World Cup break. So if you just extrapolate that out of the remainder of the season, not only are we going to finish comfortably, but we, we're going to be quite well-placed in the mid-table. So if those two wins can come relatively quickly, and if, if for example, if we went into May and not having anything to, to worry about, I'd, I'd really like to see what this team's capable of. Yeah, agreed. I think I they. I, it looks like they really, really like Lupetegi. I I didn't realize how much they didn't like Bruno Lage until I see them now. They must have really, really hated him behind the scenes. Like I, I thought that it was like okay, like they you know just a little run, like a bad spell here, like maybe you know they need they need to buy in or something. But like no, it doesn't seem like that at all. I think that's reflected in the likes of the celebrations as well. Yep. Where especially that second one, and it was the big group hug and jumped up and down, and they called Mateus over to join in. It, it just seems like there is a really good team spirit at the moment. They're all playing for each other. They're all enjoying it. Um, and 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 to those points, Joe, if if they weren't previously under the old regime and there was issues with the training or they weren't fit enough. That's going to weigh you down. So if all those pressures are going to be released and you're enjoying it and you, you're, paying, you're playing for someone that you've got a ton of belief in who's, who's giving you that, that leash to go out with, I think you can, uh, you can expect good, good things from a Lopetegui side for sure. Do you think that maybe – I was thinking about this earlier. Like what, what can I point to that I've seen that I think – and I think that maybe Lopetegui – being so vocal when he thinks that there's like bad penalties, misplays, like I think the players respect that a lot. Cause he'll come out and just be like, no, this was bad. That, that was a bad call. Like the refs bungled this today, whatever. Like he'll, he, he'll say it, which is wild too. But, and I think that that's like, you know, it was the gaining of the mutual respect between the parties. Right. And yeah, it looks like you, I can see it on the pitch. So I'm happy. Yeah, I think in his own special way, he talks quite positively about the players in his his press interviews. And even to the extent that, for example, if there is issues behind the scenes without Nuri or Raul, you haven't heard anything along the lines that there may be. He's always been like, well, they're still contending, there's still a squad place to play for. It's not like he's cast anyone aside. It's like everyone's still got a still got a chance so I think the I think he brings a lot um a, a lot of what you can 
like in this team definitely comes from the head coach. So Alex, the, the clean sheet, what does that bring for us this week? Of course. Well, uh, as Josh mentioned last week, clean sheet lunches now going to be a thing on the podcast. Uh, he threw out some questions for us that were a, a fun way to, uh, you know, go through like some superlatives of the game. So I'll throw them out uh, to you guys and also read some uh, some responses that we got on Twitter uh, from people after the match. So uh, the first one um, was who gets to order first at the table for the clean sheet lunch that we uh, think is coming uh, this week. Okay, I'll go first, and I think it's got to be Costa ordering ordering first, and and they'll all be patting him on the back and let, letting him go for it and pick whatever he wants. That's a good one. Um, I'm gonna go with my boy Mateus this week, just just for that run alone. I think it's worth it. Costa finished, yes, but like I'll give it to him. And I don't think anybody. I think even Costa would let him cut in line. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, who gets to uh, who gets to pick the appetizers for the table? It's kind of like an honorable mention award behind the man of the match award. So mine's a, a little under the radar, but I'm going for Max Kilman. I'm saying he's taking captain responsibilities. He's going to grab that menu because he might not get the chance if Neves comes back in. He's going to grab that menu and quickly pick out three or four things to the table <laughs> and do it with the, the leadership that he's shone with. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go again with my boy Sarabia this week. Give him the appetizers, like quietly. You know, he'll pick it, spread it around. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I like that. He has been a bit underappreciated. Okay, and then uh, who gets an extra serving of the dessert? Extra dessert. Um... Give it to Wang, man. Comes on, gets gets the gets the nice second goal, puts it away. I think Wang Chan gets uh, the second dessert for sure for me. Yeah, I I agree. If it was two scoops of ice cream, he's definitely getting a third, and he'd yeah. be really thankful for it as well. <laughs> of course. Uh, all right. So we got some responses on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people are in agreement with Diego Costa. Josh himself. I know he's not here to speak for himself, but he had. Costa and he had uh, Jose Saw uh, for the appetizers. Saw made some great saves, man. He really did. I like he he kept it in there when it was it was getting rough for sure. Yep. Um, second dessert to Mateus and uh, Josh added that it has to be a steak lunch. So maybe they're not going to the the same Italian restaurant that I think they they've been going to, which I believe <laughs> yeah. was confirmed again that they went for this most recent one. Also, side note. Did you guys see Lopetegui like in the club in Birmingham? Yes, yeah. <laughs> did see this picture. What was he doing? Where was he know. at? I don't know. And was he wearing like an opened button-up shirt or was he wearing a really deep V-neck? Because that came up on No Stupid Questions last week, and I saw a lot of Lopetegui's chest in that photo. <laughs> it was a wild scene, man. I did, I did not expect, and he looks like like surprised that the picture is being taken and like somewhat out of place, but also like in uniform for being at a nightclub. So I was very confused by this whole situation. Yes. Um, I also saw someone on Wolves Twitter. I don't know if this was substantiated or not, but I believe it was someone who was DJing at that same place that Lopetegui was at and they had a video of it. And I was like, wow, that place is lit. Wow. 
really? Was it? Because it looked like he was just like in front of a. This could have been like a nice quiet lounge in the picture that I saw, yeah. but like. If you told me it was a packed nightclub, holy crap. Maybe maybe he was there on the earlier side and the, the, the video I saw was more from like one or two in the morning. He was not in the video. So I want to make okay. that perfectly clear. Um, all right. Uh, Wolfronian Dan Wilk says uh, Matthias gets the order first. Kilman chooses the appetizer. So he agrees with you uh, uh, on that, Paul. And uh, Costa gets the extra dessert, but he will end up sharing it with all Wolves fans. Mm. Um, we're getting a lot of shout outs for, for Kilman, uh, which... which I like because, you know, two games with the armband, like you mentioned, Paul, I think that's really good. Uh, but Sam stole my extra dessert. Uh, he said he just wanted to give a special mention for Tony Gomez. He was outstanding today. Sam Spencer yeah. on Twitter uh, chimed in with that. And that was a new one that we didn't see a comment in the responses. In the same way that, you know, you've, you've got like Matthias all of a sudden playing as a right mid like kind of you know more attacking you've got a left you know you've got a center back playing left back and not missing a beat and he looks kind of skilled like i know <laughs> i'm not saying i want him to be the left back of the future because he's just not but like he really can do a job man that's really impressive but even that delivery for costa's goal yeah he got in a great position he looked up and he knew exactly where to put it for costa coming in and as they said, I think they said on, on the commentary, he, he could have had the chance to shoot first time, but it was perfectly placed. So if he's if he's adding that type of penetration down the wing and putting balls across like that, then they really could have stumbled on a, a really solid option at left back that offers something that we, we didn't think we had. So it's phenomenal, I think. Yeah. he, he was It was the opposite of what every fullback under Bruno Lodge looked like or wingback <laughs> under Bruno Lodge where it's like don't overthink it don't dribble down and then all of a sudden be like oh I'm gonna pass it back around and try to craft a perfect goal just bang it in there into space and that's exactly what he did um so that's that's pretty good but yeah that's uh that's what we got those are the prelatives uh thanks to everybody who chimed in with them on on our Twitter uh at WLW pod so it might have gone under the radar again somewhat thanks to the result, but Joe, did we get shafted by VAR again with the penalty on Toti? <sighs> this one, I was going to ask you what you thought about this one. I I mean, there's been some egregious ones. I don't know. I don't like the... He, he was going down a little early. Uh, I've seen worse called as penalties this year. So... I think they we could have had it, but I wasn't expecting anything based on our you know nice run of getting shafted both ways in penalties. So um, we got the win, and I wasn't sweating it. But if this would have you know if we would have conceded one and it would have been a draw, I think I would have been complaining a lot more than I am. But yeah. like, what do you think? Do you think it was a penalty or no? Personally, for me, it was. It was Raya's arm going across that kind of checked him out of it. It wasn't the feet coming together. It was a, yeah. a distinct movement to take him take him out that way. And what I always lean to is that's a foul on every other blade of grass outside the penalty box. So I'm just asking for some consistency. And the the thing is with that one is if the ref would have given it, it would have been held up. And yeah. if he didn't give it, even though it looked like a foul, it's not going to be overturned because it makes him look bad 
and yep. that it's a closed shop. They're going to look after each other. They, they're going to bat the on-field decision. So for me, it's it's a level of consistency. Was it as bad as the Pope one at Newcastle? No, but for me, a, a foul's a foul. What, what did you think, Alex? Yeah, I agree. I don't really think that watching it real time and then even the replays had me thinking, oh, corrupt league. Uh, it, it's more this one I think fall more falls more in the category of there's almost like an unconscious bias in a referee's head that they're more prone to not award a penalty to wolves than than they are like actively trying to shaft wolves right um, so I guess the only thing I could justify that I thought maybe it would be a little bit of a soft penalty is that as Toti took a touch the ball was going out no matter what it was a really heavy touch was that impacted by the onrushing keeper of course. Did he get him? Yes, but you could argue that the, I mean, it was already going to be a goal kick regardless of whether or not he made any contact. I don't know if that plays into it, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy it didn't come down to another apology for points being dropped oh, by God. Wolves <laughs> yeah. uh, because of a referee decision. So. so we touched on it a little earlier, but with the, these two wins on the bounce, do you think Lopetegui has now stumbled upon this preferred formation? We've got Mateus on the right, two forwards. Um, do you think now that this is going to change with Neves being eligible to come back into the team on Saturday? And this is a question, Joe, that was asked by Wolfrooney and Dan Wilkes. is a no stupid question on Twitter prior to recording. So, how do we talk about Ruben Neves coming back into this team? Does he? Does he? That's does he is the question. Like not how does he? I I don't know. I you know I always have the feeling like don't mess up a good thing, right? Like you know I've been reading a lot of people commenting all day saying like, well, when Neves comes back, what happens? Who sits and stuff like that? And then other people were like, well, what what if Neves doesn't come back? I I don't know if you can play with this yet i i would like him to maybe they can do a soft like let's warm him back up into the team type situation and see how like the first half of next week goes you know maybe try to sub him in i don't know if if lupatagi is gonna stay with the like i don't think he's hard and fast in his ways enough to just be set on one formation is what it does. Like he, he see he he wants to play against his opponent, which I really do like, uh, with subs and with form and just like how he lines everybody up. It's great, and I think that that will not lock him into one certain way of setting up, playing things like that. I don't know what's gonna happen with Neves. I, you know, I've spoken many a bad things of Neves for a long time, but um. The team winning without, I don't know. Like, maybe it's, like, just a lot of pressure for him. I th- I don't think he looks as great, like, even as great this year as he has beforehand to me. So, I think you've got to ride the hot hand and stay with this and, you know, maybe lock it down. Get an- If we get another win, then, like, it's an easier decision to put him back in because, like, it would probably be pretty disrespectful to not, you know, bring him back as the captain and things like this. I that's another element that I don't know how you juggle. And that's, you know, for somebody that's paid a lot more than I am. Right. Like, you, like how, how do you, how do you judge it? We need to know what his ego is thinking about this. 
but um, it's going to be a curious weekend. Alex, you're in the hot seat. Do you bring him back in? And if you do, who's dropping out? Uh, I also would not. I, I think um, Lopetegui has cultivated a culture uh, everywhere else in the team of you have to earn your spot every week. I mean, we've seen him constantly changing the lineup and, and some of that wasn't always after what I would consider stinkers. Some of it was just after, you know, subpar performances classifying anything we've seen from Jao Gomez or Mario Lamina in the past two weeks as subpar would be completely unfair and inaccurate. So I kind of like him as a bench option against Lester um, and let him earn his way back into the team as crazy as that is to say about your club captain. Um, but I also think there could be some like politics involved here or not politics, but transfer strategy, the better wolves do without him and the less important he seems to them, the greater likelihood that the market would soften for him and he may consider coming back. But you could also be hurting yourself from the standpoint that you're not going to get the return on him that you want. So it's a really, again, it's a very tricky spot. It's, it's a very hot I think he here, leaves? Paul. We should put you in it. What do you say? <laughs> I, to, to begin with, I was initially thinking that you don't change your winning team. And then I was thinking Lopetegui wouldn't do after these two performances. But even on Saturday, he tweaked it slightly with not starting Podence and bringing Sarabia in to start. So that gave me a little reasoning that, that he may... Um, I think, on the, I think it would be it would be harsh. the The only way I see it happening this week is that we're away from home, and we don't have to be. We, we it's a different team to play against for like compared to the the two that we've had to come up against in these past two weeks. So it's a different challenge. Whether he's he's seen as more defensive. Um, that maybe gets him the nod, and and if that's the case, it's probably Gomez that drops out, being being away from home, or does he just go horses for courses and and back him because they've done so well, and they've had a dynamic midfield that's effectively won them the two games. Do do you want to change that winning winning vibe and and those partnerships that have started to form? So. I can I'll I'll be a big fence sitter. I can see it going either way, and I, I wouldn't be surprised with, with either one of them. Can I ask just uh, a kind of a novice question? Like I, I draw the parallel when I think about why they're playing so well, it, particularly the midfield, um, the players who are playing because he's not in the lineup. Um, I liken it to basketball when it, from the standpoint that sometimes when a, a team full of a lot of really good shooters is missing. It's like most dynamic player, right? Players become less deferential. They're not looking like, Oh, we got to get, you know, I don't know. Steph is his, however many threes. And they just start to take more onus onto themselves. Like, and we see Lamina carrying the ball forward. I think he had a shot or two. I don't even know if either one of them are on target. Um, I can't remember, but we don't see that from him. Zhao Gomez, the same thing. Like, is it that, they just know there's a greater burden on them. So they play better. And that when he's there, they're less aggressive. Like, cause I, I can't figure out why Matthias Lamina Gomez looks so much better when they're not, you know, when arguably our greatest player is not on the field. 
I think you're right, but I think it's more of a like when you have a a player like that, you have you're like beholden to get him the ball. You know what I mean? Like you, I I think that you were right in the beginning, and but it's like the flip. Not that they're like even doing better. They just don't feel the pressure to like lead everything through him, mm-hmm. and maybe they're forcing stuff to try to give it to Neves so that they can like have him make the play. And without him, they're like, Oh, we'll just pass to each other. And it opens things up a lot and makes them like more creative is what it's looking like to me. Yeah. It, it does seem there's more dynamism. There's the, to that element of having those players step up and take responsibility. I think it's a really strong point. And at the very least, and I think you, you just touched on it before, Joe, that if this is the farewell for Neves, then it puts us in a in a pretty good spot, I think. And what Gomez has shown, even though he's young, and it may be a stretch to, to have him start away from home in this position, but you've got a really dynamic defensive midfielder there that can break up play, can win the ball, can break into the box even. So I just think as, as a collective, there's lots to be excited about if he stays or if he goes. Yeah, I was thinking about this a lot. Like, I feel pretty, you know, you, you get a little worried that players like that would leave, but then you see us the past couple of weeks and you're like, you know what? I think we'll be okay. You know, like, I think that there's something there and maybe if he wants to leave, then good. And if he wants to stay, but we we don't feel the pressure anymore to be like, oh man, what's going to happen when he leaves, right? Like, at least I don't right now. And I'm like, wow, that'd be pretty, well, I think we're in a pretty good spot. Enjoying Whole lot of Wolves? Whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening, don't forget to rate and review the show so that we can make sure to continue to grow the pack. Thanks for listening and up the mighty wolves. So that was talking about the lineup as we approach Saturday. So we'll dig into the game in a little more depth. It is Leicester Wolves this Saturday, 10 a.m. kickoff Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. So we've taught Neves coming back in. Does it change the lineup, either starting or does he make those changes? It would seem, apart from the Neves situation, that the rest of the team pretty much picks itself. Do you think, Joe? Yeah, but what about, um, doesn't Costa have like a knee problem right now? Good call. Yeah, it, it looked like he did come out with that extra strapping at half time around it. So that's a uh, that's one that they'll certainly be monitoring, you should think. And I think that's that would be the only kicker that it looks so promising and the partnerships are starting to form and everything. Yeah. It would it would be a blow. And I think it'd be a, an important game for him in his type of role to be starting in. Yeah, I think so too. That's, that's I mean, like I said, I, I, I would be hesitant to change a lineup if the team's winning, but... Um, you know, if somebody's not fit, then you have to make a change. So, yeah, it'll be curious to see what happens. But, I mean, I liked it. And Leicester's on, like, a bad run, too, right? Like, they've lost, like, the last, like, five or so. Or, like, they're they're on, like, a pretty bad run when I was looking. So, um, I know that you were kind of... Again, this is another one that, like, 
you know, now I'm, I have the flip of it. Like maybe, maybe I feel like we are going to win as opposed to like, Oh man, this seems like a match that like, we're kind of uh, uh, doomed in, you know what I mean? Like you can't win either way type situation. I think, I feel like, you know, with some confidence and going in there, like knowing that they're down, they don't have the relegation pressure. I think that like you could come out and, you know, pretty, pretty much lay it on them here. In terms of Costa being out, Alex, does he still stick with more of a shape that has two up front? Does Cunha lead the line and it's Wang playing off him? Um, so I, I, I would like that, but I, I think the Costa injury could also heavily influence the decision on Neves. So I think if Costa is out, there's a greater likelihood that instead he would go to a more traditional 4-3-3. Cunha would lead the line, but Neves would slide back into the midfield and we would see perhaps something like Lamina, Neves, and Matthias. Um, or maybe even like that 4-4. Four, four, I don't know, man. It's so hard to predict. Like he's, I feel like he never does what you expect him to do. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I, we said it last week, like if, if Huang would have started this Brentford game, I think we all would have thought that that could have been justified. Um, and I love the idea of Huang and Cunha, just getting a glimpse at Huang and Cunha playing as like a central pairing. Because um, I think that could work out pretty well. So, um, yeah, I think he, he would have to be the one if Costa doesn't go, I think. So you mentioned drastically different form, Joe. We got smashed at home in October 4-0 when we last played. And it definitely seems we're on the the upward trajectory and they may be on the way to doing that, changing the manager, hoping that that can stimulate something. They probably anticipated that they weren't going to beat Man City on Sunday. So they'll be looking at this game as a, a must win. Do you think that factors into favoring us? Huh. Uh, no, I, I don't like that. I don't like a team that has nothing to lose, right? But I think that balancing that with the confidence that we've seen in Wolves the past couple weeks, that uh, I th- maybe this is one that will be decided kind of early in the sense that you will be able to feel the tempo off the rip and see who... Who wants it? Like if Lester comes out flat, I think we're going to have a good Saturday. I think that if we come out flat, then we could definitely drop it. But I'm feeling confident. I, I like I like our positioning in this one and, and their bad run. I think that like it's time to put the foot on the gas and just keep going now. So like I like this pressure that we have. I think that the boys are going to come in hot and we're going to do it. Yeah. Okay. Lead us with a prediction. Of the score. Oh, um, two nil. We score early though, like, uh, like in the first twenty, and then I think we might sneak another one in before half, and then we kind of just ride it out. Then I, I think that if we if we can do that, we can get two. I know that that's yeah huge, but if we can get two before the half, I think that they'll just be like, okay, we're good, and then park the bus, and we'll be okay. Alex, um. I I think I'm going to go I'll go 1-0 Wolves and I feel like we'll 
be way less comfortable than we want to be against mm. Leicester, but ultimately get a result because they do feel a little dead in the water. Um, yeah, but I still say a Wolves win. I'll go 1-0. Okay, I think this would be one that I think if you're if you get a draw, it, it it's a good result for us, given what's on the line for Leicester. So I'd definitely take a point. But what I what I said after the game to my brother, I said we were talking about whether we're safe or not, and I said it's probably one more game and then then a draw or two to be really sure. I said what I would like would be that real put a flag in the ground away victory like lots of celebration in front of the fans we've done it so i just want to show there's no there's that's just water there's, <laughs> there's no whiskey in it like josh has this is pure water because i'm going to say Leicester city 1 wolverhampton wanderers 4 Oh man! Oh, you think we just lay it on them this weekend? I think they they come out all guns blazing first ten minutes, but we score one, and then we get two in quick succession, and then we get one straight after half time. They may get a third. They may get one back, but we score in like the eighty-six minute or something silly again, and we win four-one and. We've got a pretty crappy record away at Leicester since we've been back in the Prem. So I think we do a win there. And I'm, I think it's going to be our, our marquee away performance just to, to say that we're we're here and we're staying. I like it. I'm with you. I'll, I'll ride with the 4-1 correct score. I like it. <laughs> any, um, any particular goal scorers, Paul? Because one thing that popped into my mind when Costa got off the mark is there's eight games left at that time. <laughs> He's like one decent run of form away from being in serious contention of being our leading scorer, even though he just oh, yeah. scored for the first time in April. <laughs> um, I think the I think what we might get would be uh, I'd I'd probably like Cunha to yeah. to get the first. Then we're going to score that first on like the eighth minute. And then on 12, it's going to be a towering Max Kilman header for 2-0. Oh. Um, Wang's going to get one. And we end up getting a penalty. And Neves scores a penalty. Wow. All right. Okay, I like that. Yeah. So if you're listening in a state or a country that can gamble, just do completely opposite to what I just said. <laughs> I was going to say parlay all of them. That's going to be a big payday. <laughs> Okay, that may have been a, a no uh, stupid prediction, Alex. But what about other no stupid questions? Yeah, we got some good ones this week. Uh, it's most listeners' favorite part of the show. Our favorite part of the show. You get to show your creativity and ask us pretty much anything that you guys want. Uh, submit them on Twitter each week at WLW Pod, where most of these came in, uh, or you could email us hello at wholeloutofwolves dot com. Uh, so we'll start with Michael Moser, who asked. Uh, which player has shown the most improvement over the last couple of games? I think that's a fun question. We talk about most improved under Lopetegui. We did that a few weeks back, but on this recent really good run, who do you think is most improved, Paul? Um, I think we've, we've talked a lot about the obvious standout candidates, like if it's Nunes. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to again give credit to someone that might have not seen a lot of it this season. 
And I'm going to say Nelson Semedo, that oh. he's looked absolutely locked down of that right right back berth. It's like when he has those opportunities and he's either getting in the way and putting the attacker off or he's getting something on it. And there's been two or three times now that he's got into that position just to usher the ball out of of the of the left the, the player on the left hand side coming in trying to take it off him and previously I'd be really nervous that he'd like trip himself up or <laughs> the attacker would get the wrong side and he'd trip him up for a penalty. And he's just seeing those balls out for goal kicks like like it's nothing at the moment. So I think confidence is a big thing with Samedo. So that's flowing through the bat line at the moment. So I'm I'm gonna say him. How about you, Joe? Ooh, I don't know. I talked about a couple earlier that I was really liking. Uh, I think, yeah, the past couple of games for Matthias is great. Cunha to uh, Max Kilman looks a lot better than I expected, but he gets a lot of praise all the time. Yeah, I, it's tough. I, I think that, that those three would probably be my biggest ones. Toddy looked pretty good too, like out of nowhere this last game. So, like, I think, that, yeah, I. I I, I can't pin it down to just one. Maybe Matthias, if I had to pick one. But uh, a bunch of these understated... Sarabia, which I brought up, right? Like, a bunch of these understated players have looked a lot better to me for no reason in the past couple of weeks. So I don't know what they're drinking. Maybe some of Paul's water or something like that. <laughs> but uh, keep it up. Yeah. I I first wanted to answer, like, impulsively, Zhao Gomez. But I... He wasn't really playing, so it's hard to say that he's improved. He's just actually had an opportunity because um, I don't think he's he's done anything wrong when he actually gets to play. Um, I don't know that. I don't know if this is most. Imp- he's he's generally solid, but I I will just point out that I gave thought to naming Jose Saw this person because there was a period where there was a narrative about whether or not he could even be our goalkeeper under Lopetegui because we wanted to play out of the back and he was a little bit sloppy. And he certainly seemed like, at least when they first made that Dan Bentley signing after the, um, or, or leading up to it, was it perhaps? But I think maybe it was like right after that. He had kind of a bad run of form. It was a little erratic. So um, two clean sheets in a row is a easy way to erase the memory of, of you being a little shaky. So. Jose Sock, like he plays on the edge though. Like this is, I, 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 I am a big hockey fan, and I prefer goalies like that will do the spectacular and also give up a bad one, right? And like Jose Saw at least will like he'll make like two great saves a match, and then he'll do something pretty boneheaded, like that, like run into the middle of the box to try to catch it when there's like fifty guys around him and collide with everyone <laughs> and nearly give up a goal for no reason. But like I, I'm I'm preferential to this level of excitement, you know, than like one of these like average goalies that you're like, okay, like yeah. you know what you're gonna get. He's gonna give up one and like, but he'll make one say like no, like Jose Saw can go on a run and he'll have you know two clean sheets in a row or he you know, we'll give up a bad one and you'll be like, eh, that's what happened this week. Yeah, completely. I don't know this to be true because I don't know him personally, but I would venture to guess in his spare time, Jersey saw is an adrenaline junkie. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> guy is skydiving. He's doing everything risky that you could possibly think of. Um, that uh, pretty much the exact opposite of me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like feeling safe. 
Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, continuing on with the no stupid questions, Paul, going to have to lean on you for this one um, or the internet, but I feel like you got this one. From Leia from uh, our Houston Wolves, um, why is Molyneux called Molyneux? We are going to have to rely on the internet somewhat just for historical accuracy, but I'm pretty much sure it is down to the Lord Molyneux Mm. and whether he was the landowner that the stadium was built on or something like that. I, I, I saw this in advance. I didn't want to purposely look it up. So I, I came across as much smarter than I actually am. But I'm pretty much sure it's down to Lord Molyneux and, and the formation of the ground where it's at. Okay, we're going to fact check you on the spot. And you are definitely correct. Benjamin Molyneux, an ironmonger and banker, was the first Molyneux to reside in Wolverhampton. And the building was passed, or excuse me, like in that, where the stadium now is and he passed the building down several generations in his family. So there you go. So did he own the, did he own the stadium? Like when they first built it or did like he own the land? I'd imagine it was the land. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, we need to go back and, and listen, but Wolfman Jeff has a contribution here as well. I think it's in his lineage somewhere that he's got some involvement in it from generations past as well. So Okay, yeah. He purchased the land in the mid-1700s in which he built Molyneux House, which was later converted to the Molyneux Hotel. Yeah, and that, that's the land, right at the top of the hill. Yep, where the stadium would eventually be built. Um, so there you go. And and uh, Did he gift it? How does that work? Like, Did he like gift them the land, or did he like still own the rights to the land with the stadium on top of it? Do you know? So that, would, that would have been 1700s, and the club formed in... 1877 so it's a good time that would have passed since yeah since he's he's been hands-on so uh it according to uh our friends at wikipedia the grounds were sold to the northampton brewery in 1889 who then rented it to the wolverhampton wanderers oh that's cool um yeah that is kind of cool a spot on a brewery the brewery the brewery club team i kind of like that (laughs) i can get behind that (laughs) i think we could all (laughs) we could all get behind that um all right, so that's a, a fun little history lesson for us. This one uh, has nothing to do with history, but is a fun one from our friend Stu, the Wolves fan cast, who uh, is a fan of the new Mario movie. He says, in light of the Mario movie being the most enjoyable 90 minutes of cinema in years, and he's a movie buff, uh, who do you all pick to race as in Mario Kart? Ooh, I, I usually go pretty pretty generic, but I usually go Mario, honestly. Like I'm not even gonna fake it. I usually go Mario off the rip. Um, I've been playing <laughs> like I have a Switch. I played the new one. Uh, my wife usually goes Yoshi. That's her. So I usually stay Mario. Paul, any Mario Kart in your? Uh, yeah, when you've got a nine-year-old with a Switch, it's pretty. Uh, yeah. Pr- pretty pretty standard for uh, how how to raise a child in 2023. So I'm all about it and. My go-to is probably Donkey Kong, based Ooh. on the the looks and the height and everything. So, Daddy, <laughs> you, you've you've got to be someone who's in proportion. <laughs> and that is why, uh, as a a five foot eight uh, gentleman, I usually pick Toad. 
Uh, <laughs> like code as my racer. Uh, always did growing up, and then I too have been uh, playing some Switch lately. I, I went home to see my family, uh, and my nephews are obsessed, and they get whatever they want. And when they want to do two player mode, and Uncle Alex is the only one around, guess what Uncle Alex is doing? <laughs> He's playing two player mode. So, uh, but you didn't have to pull my arm to play Mario Kart. That's for sure, because no. that's a that's an instant classic. Um, all right. Uh, wrapping up No Stupid Questions with our friend Nick Raytar, also recent guest of the podcast. He asks, could this episode finally be the season premiere of Romance with an Option to Buy or Bromance with an Option to Buy? I've been waiting so long for the second season of that. I, I think if if safety is confirmed, then we've, we've definitely got to weave it into some type of Hallmark movie for definite now i'm not sure who who the leading character is based on trinko previously but it's probably got to be joe gomez hasn't it the whole yeah the the how how he came about how no one ever heard of him and suddenly he's the 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 this ultimate player that we've got to sign through all of that and the goal at southampton and and these performances um I, th- I think it's got to be it's got to be based on him probably the fairy tale of the like no i'm i, I said i was signing for wolves yeah no, that that's just it writes itself right yeah definitely but i think we've got some we, we've got him as the the leading man but there, there's definitely some uh there's some cameos in there as well and i think there'll be a really good Diego Costa cameo if he keeps up this form through to the end of the season and, and notches two or three more, then uh, he could be that that childhood hunk from high school that, that comes back and wows the wows the lady or something like that. So I think we we could have a lot of potential to to close out the season with uh, with this movie. Straight to TV movie, but a movie nonetheless. <laughs> that'll do it for uh no stupid questions for this week uh again Those were good man Those yeah were really good um they were uh wlw pod is the show's twitter handle easiest way to get us also if you have some long form uh questions or you just want to prefer to you know get to us via email hello at whole lot of wolves.com is our email address keep them coming joe as we wrap up Tell the listener how they can get hold of you and follow you about Wolves and what you also have got going on. Oh, yeah. Um, I am a weekly host at Too Fast, Too Forever on the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can find us on anywhere you listen to podcasts and at cageclub.me. Um, we talk about Fast and the Furious movies, so it's a big time for us. We got a new one coming out in a, you know just over a month. So we're getting ready for um, FX, F10, whatever Vin Diesel decides he wants to call it in that moment. Um, and uh, we talk about that. We talk about a bunch of other movies. Um, Josh has been on, and uh, it's just a good time. We screw around a lot. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter, find Too Fast, at, at Twitter, Too Fast, Too Forever, and you can find me from there if you want to talk. And I'm always uh, watching Wolves on Saturday mornings. So uh, happy to take any uh, tweets you want to send and laugh at Josh making predictions that are usually very, very wrong. So, Thanks for coming on, Joe. It's been a blast. 
We will be back, listeners, this time next week. We're going to see everything. What happens from the game against Leicester on Saturday, and then it will be uh, back-to-back, won't it? We've got Palace coming up. That will be uh, on the Tuesday. So it's Palace Tuesday the 25th, and then an away trip to Brighton and Hove Albion on April the 29th. So in the meantime... Keep the faith, listeners. I think we're almost there. And as always, up the mighty wolves.